Hypothetical situation. Astronomers say that there is a comet that will strike the Earth in three years and kill everyone on the planet. You know, I think most people on hearing this news, they would start to do the math and say, wait, how many episodes of Pup Theology Live are left then? <laughs> we, we, we would each have like so much alcohol in front of us and be like, come oh, yeah. on, asteroid! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 48 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint or maybe a fine wine. Got to check what's, uh, you know, in the fridge. Watch us live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. at pubtheology.com. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. And you can also queue us up on the New Thought channel on your Roku or other streaming device. And tonight's episode, as usual, is brought to you by our official sponsors. Starting with Craft Beer Cellar, the home of premium craft brews. For the focus of beer, education, hospitality, visit Craft Beer Cellar, C-E-L-L-A-R.com for a location near you and win free beer by joining our conversation. Uh, you can comment anytime on Twitter or Facebook using the hashtag PTLive. Leave a message on our voicemail. 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830 if you don't have letters on your phone. And we will pick a comment at the end of the month and announce a winner. And the picking of this comment is absolutely, totally subjective. Um, there is no qualifiers. Anyone can win. We read it. Did we? I don't think we picked the winner for last month, did we? No, we didn't. But although, if you make us laugh, you are you are likely to be a winner. Just saying. Or cry. Or cry. Or cry. Yeah, yeah. Make- or cry. That's good. Be laughter. Just make us emote. Um, and got to reward the darkness too, as much as the light. Uh, yes. Oh, again. Yes, we do. And <laughs> and. <laughs> And my favorite sponsor, because I'm the wine drinker, is Wink Wine Club. Wink features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. Get started at trywink.com slash ptlive for $20 off your first order and other savings. Check them out for the other savings. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I will say that uh, my local craft beer seller here in West Michigan is having their grand opening this Saturday. So if you're in the Grand Rapids area check out craft beer cellar uh here in grand rapids for Ooh, some amazing I brews i gotta send you a card i think i owe you uh a... yeah i'm gonna cash that in i think I'm still he... behind on my mailings i think you owe him like 500 cards probably 48 yeah. at this point <laughs> well it may all be moot because tonight we discuss what if astronomers discovered an asteroid or a comet that would hit the earth in three years and destroy all life on it what would happen? What would happen to society? What would happen to us? What would we choose to do with those three years? And assuming there is no asteroid coming, uh, does life change when you're on the second half of it? Joseph Campbell says the first half of life is more about serving society, and the second half of life is often about a turn inward. We'll discuss if that's true or not, and how perhaps life shifts once you've had a few trips around the sun under your belt. 
My name is Brian Burkoff. I am the pastor of Holland UCC in Holland, Michigan, and author of the book Pub Theology, Beer, Conversation, and God. And tonight I am drinking, again, a reverent monk from Sagatuck Brewing Company. It is a Belgian triple. I mistakenly called it a triple IPA last week, so correction, it is a Belgian triple, and I shall delight in it. And with us, as always, Ogan Holder and Tina Simmons. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. You just you just live for that live beer opening sound, don't you? <laughs> I, I love it. I like the beer uh, too. I, I am Reverend Ogan Holder, uh, Minister of Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts. Um, we are at DEFCON 5, thanks to Snowmageddon. You know, it actually turned out not to be as bad as uh, was predicted. We probably maybe only got like five inches or six of snow instead of the 12 to 18 they were predicted, but, oh, but wow. the winds have been awful. Like the snow has been like horizontal almost all day. But in any case, um, I am drinking a, an Alpine Beer Company Mandarin Nectar Orange mm. Blossom Honey Ale with orange zest and coriander. It's a big boy. How many ounces is this? Did we say 22 ounces? <laughs> yeah, that's like a case but, of beer uh, in one bottle. I don't, I don't think I'm going to drink it out. I got sound effects tonight. I like that. Nice. I like it. I like mm. it. Welcome, Tina. Hi, I'm Tina Simmons, author of Zandrail, Being Human is Overrated. And I love the fact that we're talking about an asteroid tonight. Um, I'm drinking, it's a 2014 Zinfandel. It's called Old Soul. Isn't that cool? Ooh, I like it. it. Yeah, it's very cool. So, so hey, everybody. Is that one of your, <laughs> what? Is that one of your designs? No, I told you, I, don't, I didn't okay. design stuff. I was a project manager. I just ushered the designs oh. through to printing. Well, and then it, it wouldn't have happened without you, so it could as well have been yours. Okay. Take credit. Exactly. Take credit. I forgot to mention my book, Rants to Revelations, Unabashedly Honest Reflections on... Life. God. Life. No, life, something in the meaning of God. If you're, if you're going to try to promote your book, you really need to remember the subtitle. No, I'm going to look that up on Amazon right now. Yeah, look up your book. <laughs> That's so While sad. you're looking up your book, we will talk about uh, one event, at least from the past weekend. Apparently people had events, but one was the time change. We sprung ahead an hour and wondering how that went for all of you and if you didn't notice or if you hate it or what. What's, what I like best about it is the following day is National Napin Day. To make up for that hour, you lose. <laughs> and that's yes. as ridiculous as the time change itself. Uh, well, hey, 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 naps are spiritual practice. Naps are not ridiculous. No, having um, a national nap day is, though. Come on. Uh, Napping should be every day. You, you know, you, naps should be every day. I love, I love countries that do siestas. I think they got the, they got the right idea going. Um, I, I think the momentum for abolishing daylight savings time is growing. Yes. I think we can eventually get rid of it because it's all confusing, especially some of the states that don't observe it. I was an hour early to a phone call with uh, um, a minister who is my mentor. We have a monthly phone call and he lives in Phoenix. You, I was going to say he's in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't observe it. So I'm like, I'm like, are we talking now? He's like, you're an hour early because daylight savings time and we don't do it. I'm just like, this is just a mess. I found that my book. Bizarre. 
un- rants, revelations, unabashedly honest reflections on life, spirituality. You'd think that's the word I'd remember, and the meaning of God. Buy it on Amazon. There we go. <laughs> I'm Ooh, a mess. There it is. There it is. You know, the time change is awkward, especially when your profession is uh, public speaking on a Sunday morning, and especially when you're not a morning person, and then you get one hour less of sleep. It it's just it's like God is saying. I don't appreciate you. Or no, wait a second. I'm sorry. Did God make up daylight savings time? I don't think so. I was gonna say that's that's man punishing itself. Right. Good point. Did you, did you ever hear this saying? It was a Native American chief said that only a white man would would cut an inch off the end of a blanket, sew it onto the other end of the blanket, and call it a longer blanket. Oh. I don't know how that relates to anything we were talking that, about. That relates exactly. Great. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> That is like a, a parable of exactly the problem of the daylight savings. You're not buying yourself an extra hour in the winter time. You're just shifting. So, well, your no, alarm that's clock. not true. No, no, you 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 are given your you are giving yourself a little more daylight because the sun, because b- before you do the hour shift, you know, it's like four or five something, and the sun's getting dark, and then all of a sudden, it's not getting dark till like six o'clock. So no, we're technically not gaining time. We're giving ourselves more daylight, hence why they call it daylight savings time, which made sense when we were an agrarian society, but um, it doesn't really Hmm. um, hold sway nearly as much. Not to say there aren't people who don't make their living in agriculture, but so much of it is like, you know, automated stuff. Let's not I'm do not, the agriculture thing either because the farmers don't care. The, the animals don't care. They care when the sun rises. They don't care what time we say it is. I'm, I'm not advocating Excellent for point. it. I'm just saying you're I, I not know. giving not, yourself another hour, Ogan. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to say why some people still think it makes sense. At least it's it's why I, you know, I, I do like the fact that, hey, it's later longer technically because I'm not waking up. It's not later. <laughs> longer you still get the same amount of daylight no yes you do i wake up later slaves to the clock and um my friend who grew up on a dairy farm says that cows hate it when you change milking time so i don't think the animals like daylight savings time yeah they all cranky too True. true so is it possible to uh forget and miss the time change in this era of smartphones and laptop internet it is it is possible if you turn your phone off at night so i i sleep with my phone completely off i don't use my phone as an alarm so if i don't if i don't change the other like you know the digital bedside oh. clock you're at risk i I'm, I'm at risk but you know what i do i get a guest speaker on sunday that it's daylight saving time change you did not you so it's you, somebody else's problem oh Oh yes, I did. <laughs> oh my word, uh, this guy! Oh, no, here's so here's the truth. I'm taking notes. I'm taking take notes. notes. Take notes. Work smarter, not harder. Um, yeah. Here's a, no. The honest truth is, I was supposed to have been out of town this week for to present at the conference, and it got canceled. And I had already had the guest speaker lined up, and then I realized it's the weekend I have to move, so I just left it. It's perfect. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it was the weekend was daylight savings to like you know Thursday. I was like, oh, well, that's yeah. convenient. I didn't think of it till Saturday, and it's like, son of, are you serious? I'm gonna lose an hour of sleep tonight. So w- you can forget. We had um, a woman, a college student, show up at my church on Sunday, and 
she had no idea we had lost an hour until I mentioned it <laughs> during the service. She just went by her phone and was uh, like, oh, this is what time it is, but didn't realize she had an hour less of sleep. Okay. So is it psychological that it wouldn't even bother us if it just happened and we didn't, we didn't make a big deal out of it? You know what I mean? Well, it's psychological, but it's also physiological. Like I am a person who, if I don't get eight hours of sleep, I'm just not a great person. And so for me, like I'm getting up around seven on a Sunday morning, but when I have to set it for seven, but my body thinks it's six, feel yeah. that like it, it does affect me. We do, yeah. we do lose an hour that way. Yeah. You know, ball happens and we get the extra hour, which again, our bodies kind of really love, but. I did appreciate what um, one of these uh, Twitter accounts, I think it's like at almighty God or something tweeted. Uh, Don't forget to spring your clocks forward tonight. That's one less hour of the Trump administration. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. All right. Did we okay, beat this sorry. to death? Sorry. Yep. He's in a he's in a mood tonight. He's in a mood tonight. Mm -hmm. Let's move. Let's I move. I thought on. it was funny. I thought it was funny. I thought, can we spring ahead four years? Can this be like a leap administration? Okay, I'll stop. We don't we don't really we don't really lose any time. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. All right. Hypothetical situation. Astronomers say that there is a comet that will strike the earth in three years and kill everyone on the planet. What would happen to society? What would you do if it became clear that you had three years to live? Go find Bruce Willis and get that Armageddon scenario <laughs> happening. Launch, launch the spaceship to, to detonate the comet. Come on, we're smart people. We'll figure it out. <laughs> mm, we're resilient. No it. I guarantee you, here's what will happen. I guarantee you that within the three years, we will suddenly find the technology to make deep space travel a reality. We will build a big old ship. Or a couple big old ships. There will be there will there will be mass riding as people try to get a place on the ship. Yes, exactly. You know that'll happen. Let's say you know, let's say stuff. let's say the ship optimistically can hold ten thousand people. Oh, <clears throat> how how are we going to deal with that? Oh, there's no we about that. There's no that's we. Wealthy spots getting that's yeah. Exactly. I think you're right, Tina. So how long would you keep? Uh, keep showing up to work as long as the money lasts <laughs> you know what um i don't think there's a damn thing different i would do about my life if i knew i only had three years i don't know you go. I just, just continue I, as you were i i i do i do some different things i think i would try and squeeze in a little more global travel before it's all gone I plan to do that anyhow. <laughs> That's what do I'm you, saying. Yeah, but like, do you think you could? Yeah. Get, do you think you could get a spot on the plane because no one else would have that idea? Well, sure. I mean, I and think. What about I all the pilots that, who say, "Screw this! I'm not flying a plane anymore." I don't, what? What? What does the paycheck matter? It's all going to be over in T minus nine hundred days. I, I'm I'm sure we'll still get around somehow. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to. Listen. But don't you think society would really start to break down in some serious ways? Like, you, you're I mean, under the assumption money... it's not right now, Brian. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it would be if you think we're in chaos now. I mean, money would be pretty much worthless. Uh, currency would kind of devalue, be devalued right away. What would matter is 
What movies Food have you been and watching? goods to survive those three years? Okay, Brian. So what would happen what? if we started living like that? Do you think it would be chaos or do you think it would actually be good for us? Well, I think I think I you think, can make I choices think, yourself that could be good for you. But if the rest of society is going to hell in a handbasket and you go to sleep every night with a machine gun under your pillow, I don't think that's an improvement. So you think I think it's going to get okay. dark real fast. So you think I, think, I think it would get dark very fast. So you think people? Yeah, wow, think you guys really have a, a sadder view of humanity than I do. I think when crisis hits, people bond together better. I think they forget about it. Well, that's because because they know there's something to look forward to on the other side. I think it's really? the hope. I think it's the hope of that that brings out the hope in us. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to go off the deep end, but I'm I'm fairly sure there are those who adopt the we really have nothing to lose mentality and try to live that out it's gonna be sad and scary but um but i think we'll there'd end be up... some bright spots like oh, people having sex in the park at all hours of the day <laughs> and i guess that's what i'm thinking like so you're assuming that if people have nothing to lose they're gonna do really bad things and that makes me really sad for humanity and you're assuming people not having in sex in the park already. <laughs> Good point. Good I'm point. They're waiting for, Depends for the on what park you go to. I'm just, you know. Well, I'm I'll sorry, tell you is this seat taken? I'll, I'll tell you this. I think I think churches will churches will fill up real fast. A lot of people will be praying. There will be some divine intervention. Well, and that's what, Ogan, you said that, you know, people hold on to that hope and that's why they stick together. I think even if you, you know, even if we were told it's going to hit and everybody's going to die no matter what we do, I think people would still have hope. I think it's innate in us that we're going to have hope for something in the last minute. Yes, we're going to have crazy people preaching well, sure. in the streets that this is because, you know, we're all yes. sinners, but I, I think people would right. still have hope. People would be holding up those the end is near signs all over the place. <laughs> and they would actually no, no, be accurate now. <laughs> I was right. Right. I was right. <laughs> the end is near. I was right. So I mean I Tina, I'm I'm certainly with you in that I think I do think a good segment of the population would say, Okay, friends, this is the situation. How do we optimize what we have left? And how can we live for now in a way that is not chaos and it is a way that that serves the whole but i think I, I just feel like there if with that kind of time compression a lot of people would just have this selfish turn that says screw everybody but me and mine and we're gonna hoard we're gonna do what we can for us i i, I think what we're gonna we're i are gonna know. see the extremes we're gonna see the extremes on both ends we're gonna see no people going to the extreme of that end and we'll see people going to the extreme of of the love and light as well suddenly people are going to be you know reconciling with people who they didn't think they needed to reconcile with people are going to do the things start doing some of the things that have been on their bucket list that you know they thought they had more time to we're, we're going to see the extremes and this goes to this goes to how much we don't consciously realize how much death defines us. Knowing that we are going to die is so much of what defines how we live. And a lot of times we don't pay a lot of attention to that until either we're ill or somebody really close to us dies or we get much older. 
but but we know we have a finite time here. We don't know how long it's going to be, and it's part of that unknowingness of when we're going to die that kind of makes it, I think, frustrating. But at the same time, doesn't doesn't keep it on the forefront of our minds. Especially, yeah, it gives if, us the illusion of permanence. Exactly, exactly. But if we knew, okay, three years from a certain date, that's it. Then, then we're gonna have a whole different relationship with ourselves, with the people around us, with how we see the world. Everything will change, and I think it will change in a way that we can't accurately predict. It's gonna bring up everything. It's gonna bring up our own i mean tons of theological issues are gonna come up yeah no doubt you know from the why is god letting this happen thing to oh good now now we can hurry up and get to heaven or whatever it is or yeah you got three years to you know get right with god so you can get right. into heaven i i think every major religion you know, would find a way to say yeah we were right <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, how many would interpret it as uh, this is actually Jesus? The how Jesus is coming back, you know, like he's a astride the comet or something. There you go. That white horse wasn't really a horse; it was a blinding <laughs> light yeah. of a comet. That, 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 those stories would be coming out all over the place. You know, I think most people on hearing this news, they would start to do the math and say, "Wait, how many episodes of Pup Theology Live are left then?" <laughs> Are we, we still, doing the, still doing the show? <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, we would do oh, like wait. right up until the eve. It'd be like asteroid <laughs> eve and we'd be doing our show. We, we we would each have like so much alcohol in front of us and be like, come <laughs> <Yeah>. on, asteroid. <laughs> yes. That's I, I right. Love, I love you all, but that's not how I'm not spending my last night of life. I am sorry. Uh, true, true <laughs> no. enough. True enough. No, no. We'd maybe do it for a year, the first year to three, and then I'm done. Brian, I'll stay <laughs> you're, you're retiring. Oh, I got a world gosh. to see, man. <laughs> that bottle of beer you have would just get bigger every week, you know? There you go. <laughs> All right. You're too funny. Assume no asteroid, and assume you've got a, what is it, three score year and ten that the Bible uh, says we may have if we're blessed. Um that was Talk before to... that was before modern medicine. I think we got a good four score and ten going on now. Stop uh, interrupting question. Well, it kind of depends what happens with the current healthcare plan, but I digress. Hmm. Yes, you do. Joseph Camp boy, I just can't <laughs> You can't let it trouble. go. Again. What meeting did you come from before this show? I know. It was a children's musical about happiness. Has <laughs> 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 this effect on you? I'm kind of concerned. Oh my gosh. All right. So Joseph it was, little, it was a little too much jovialness. He's going dark now because it's just too much. Exactly. I'm on the rebound from too much joy. There you go. So Joseph Campbell notes that there are two halves of life. And in the first half of life, we serve society or the idea of engagement that we're engaged uh, in that way. The second half of life, he says we turn inward more of a disengagement. Wondering if you've seen that in others. Uh, I assume our present company is still in the first half of life, but you know, I'm I'm right about making the turn. I I, I think so. We're we're entering the bend. <laughs> yeah, we're we're heading into that bend. That's right. Um, I I disagree a little bit. I think the first half, um, it's more about 
Um, I, I would go with thirds. The first third is is self serving. It's about it's about yeah. you know professionalism. It's about you know finding love, creating your life, whatever. A lot of yeah. that first third is self serving. I think the the second third, then we tend to be more in that how do we contribute kind of phase, and then maybe the last third is like oh wait the clock's ticking. We we're not setting any clocks back. So now we get into that more deeper contemplation on, you know, what's the meaning of it all. Uh, and I'm painting with a broad brush. Some of us, some of us start that last third a lot earlier, you know, and stretch it out a bit. I, I don't, excuse me. I think it really depends on your personality. Um, you know, cause I've, I've always been disconnected from society. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but I, I think when you're younger, Ogan's right. Where like are you're, you? Are you kidding? I don't think you are. I don't think I am. I think I might be opposite of what you just said. Um, but when you're younger, you know, you're you're concerned with more like sensory. You're concerned with um, having kids and and meeting people and going out and all this other stuff. So I mean, maybe he's right. Maybe you get more introspective when you're older. But I think um, you always strive for community. It's just your community changes and your view of community. Like when you're younger, you care more about what people think of you. When you're older, you care less about what people think of you, but you, um, I don't know. I, I think you engage differently with people when you're older. Well, what's, what's important changes. Like you were saying, what really matters changes. And therefore, you know, where you put your focus and your attention changes. And, 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 and it's within every context, you know, within, you know, what you thought, for example, love and intimacy was in the first third of your life is definitely different from the second third and the third third. You know, what you thought about if you're doing it right, what you think about, you know, religion and God in the first third is much different than the second third and the final third. Um, so what, what matters in your life changes and the emphasis changes. And sometimes you know, depending on events in your life, it can accelerate that process. Sometimes you have, you know, crises at certain points, whether it's in your faith or your, or your sense of self that happens maybe off schedule and you get someone in their like twenties and thirties who suddenly is a deep contemplative and right. really absorbed into what normally people don't get to in the last third, uh, because of life events that happen. So, um, yeah, but with a broad, if you paint it with a broad brush here, absolutely. It, it, I would go with thirds rather than halves. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about that. Uh, I I do agree that the first part of life is inherently selfish in that you're trying to you're trying to figure out identity, kind of who am I and how do I. Yeah function in the world and what am I about and, and what do I want to be about? And you're also, as noted, trying to uh, do education or figure out a career and figure out how am I going to function in the world? How am I going to build a life in a certain way? I think it's, 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 yes, it's, it's self, it's self-focused or even self-centered, but not necessarily in a negative way. It starts self then I think it's outward focused and then it returns to the self again. So it's like, it's like circular, yeah. but that, that last part is a different self focus. It's not so much the inquiry as it is more, um, 
introspection uh, the contemplation introspection right i i i don't know about that ogan i and I, I guess I st I'm still caught up in your thirds. Like, are you talking like zero to 30, 30 to 60, 60 to 90? Is that your thirds? Well, I mean, generally, roughly. Uh, I mean, roughly, because when you're when you're in your like teens and 20s, it's all about it. It is about going generally, you know, going out, friends, connections, social life, all that kind of stuff um, being feet what engaging in what makes you happy, what makes you feel happy, thinking a lot of times that that happiness is being caused by something external to yourself. Mm -hmm. Generally, then in that 30 to 60, you know, midlife-ish kind of phase, you realize, wait, it's not the external that brings me happiness. It's really um, my, my, what I choose, my, my belief system, what I, it's, 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 you're, you kind of turn inward, but you also realize that you your place is in it is is to contribute to society, contribute mm. to the lifting up of others. Not so much like what am I going to get out of this, but kind of what can I put in to it to kind of make everything around me better. Again, I am painted with broad strokes, and how that how people manifest that is is so much different. Yeah, see it now. I, I see that completely different. Um... I, I do believe that there's a midlife split where we spend a few years and I'm saying this cause I'm just coming out of this, this um, period with me, but um, where we really contemplate life and, and how we're involved in life and stuff like that. But see with me, it's the complete opposite. Again, when I was younger, all I wanted was to contribute and do things for other people and make other people happy and, you know, be a part of society and, and, you know, help people grow. And now I'm like, the world doesn't need me, you know, like other people can survive on their own. They don't, you know, like I, I don't have to, so I don't what, feel that well, let me ask you this. To, to do that anymore. I do because I so, want to now. And yes. because certain life, do you think it's because certain events that happen in your life may have made you a little jaded because of that? Oh, Absolutely. You know, but it, I mean, that was like, that's, I said, it's different personalities. I mean, I, I spent my entire life with, you know, people's hooks in me, like me feeling responsible for other people's emotions yes. and, and lifestyles. <clears throat> and, you know, that I just had enough of it, I guess. But then I realized <laughs> that they, you know, I was enabling people. I, they were better off without me doing all that stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. Dude, this feels like a therapy yeah, I heard session. Someone, Brian talk. <laughs> I, heard, well, I heard someone describe what, I heard someone describe what Joseph Campbell is Campbell is saying along the lines of the first half of life we serve society in that we go by society's rules and we accept society's values and we kind of go with the systems and the structures that are handed to us. And in the second half of life, we kind of realize, wow, I can choose certain values. I don't need to accept what everyone is putting on me. I can path. I can hold my own values. And I heard you saying a little bit of that. Um, and in fact, uh, Richard Rohr in his book, Falling Upward, A Spirituality for the Two Halves of Life, says that in the second half of life, people have less power to infatuate you, but they also have much less power to control you or hurt you. Wow. And you say it that way, Brian, I, I completely agree with that statement and, and what you just read from the book. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's a different way to think about it. Uh, and it, it sort of turns, it shifts how you might read that Campbell quote on the face of it to more along the lines of what you were saying that, yeah, the, in the initial part of life, you're just kind of, you have all these expectations placed on you and you keep thinking, I need to do X, Y, and Z because that's what society says. That's what people are telling me. That's what my social structure. And then at some point in life, you begin to realize there are other ways to conceive of being. There are other ways to conceive of myself. There are other ways to choose. Yeah, I get what you're saying now. That does make sense. Because, you know, the whole the whole narrative often is, you know, you, you go get your degree, you go get a good job, you go make some money, you get married, you start a family. And many people kind of follow that narrative and then realize this is not the life I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Expectations. That's what society yeah, expects and, of you. And it takes a certain amount of living life to uh, figure some of this stuff out. I mean, you're not born with life experience, you know, you mm-hmm. you have to live life to get that experience. You have to go learn some hard lessons by struggling, by um, testing boundaries, by hitting your head against the wall 10 times before you realize, oh, I could turn left instead of hitting this yeah. wall. I'm kidding. Um, no, and I totally agree with that, Brian, but I also think, um, and I, I, yes, I think every human being needs to go through that turmoil when they're younger, but I feel like, you know, for as much as the millennials get, you know, judged for being the way they are, I think they look at older societies and they're like, I don't want to, you know, go to college and get a job and work my ass off at a job I hate just to make money because I saw that my it, it didn't serve my parents. So I think they're more willing to stay home and um, maybe not make the money that they could because they're doing something they they love and then they're also going out and enjoying life. Like I just, I think generationally they have a different outlook and I'm curious to see when they hit their forties or their, you know, mid thirties, how, how their lives are going to change when they hit that little reevaluation stage. Yeah. They want to stay home where the parents are trying to get them out. The parents are like, we've put in our time. Mm, not the helicopter parents. we put <laughs> True, not the helicopter, but the rest of the parents are like, we put in our time. Your daughter's well, only 16. You can't even talk like that yet. <laughs> Brian. Oh, I want to talk. I'm ready to talk like Brian, that. Brian, your kids are like 12 and under, and you're like, yeah, it's time to move out. You're, you're, yeah, exactly. You, you know the ropes. <laughs> we've, we, we've got the countdown clock running. I think one of the, I said to Joy, yeah. when you turn 18, we're having a double party. You're celebrating okay. your entry into adulthood and celebrating my liberation from parenthood. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And you just and sprang said, that, that said, liberation clock forward an hour. <laughs> but it but it dials back and fall, so zero sum game. <laughs> uh-uh. She was she was like it was funny because when I said that, you know, at first she thought it was funny, but then she's like she's like, You seem you seem a little too happy about trying to get me out of the house. And I said to her, Listen. I'm not trying to kick you out of the house. This this house is always open to you. You're always welcome to be here as long as you want. But let's be clear. I'm shifting from responsibility to advisory capacity. Okay, so yeah. you, you get to make the choices pertaining to your life. I'm always going to be here for you and love you and... You will always, you can always stay here, but just be clear that the roles are going to shift a little bit and 
that's that's I think kind of the way it should be because you know you mentioned the helicopter parents how we how we learn to be good adults is we kind of got to do it on our own we kind of got to make the mistakes and and survive the mistakes and all that kind of stuff and not have the choices made for us and part of that in a sense is sometimes you got to do like what birds do throw the baby birds out the nest when they know like all right it's time to learn how to fly and you're not going to fly if you keep sitting in the nest you gotta go mm-hmm. oh, I, so, I totally agree with that i get that they'll they'll be okay and i got i got i got two years <laughs> Look at this guy. Years. He's not joking about this countdown clock. Count, count, no, I'm not. <laughs> but I put in my time. And here's a beautiful thing about it, because I had her as, as young as I did. You know, and, and I think I think nobody in their like mid twenties and younger should be getting married and having kids. You barely know who you are. You don't know I who you are totally yet. Totally agree with you. No, you don't know who no. you are yet. So you're trying to you trying to, you know, you're trying to be a molding a model an example for another human being no so but that notwithstanding the upside of at that age is then when they get out the house you're still young and vibrant yeah you, you go know, drinking with not, 21 like, exactly 50 or 60 something year old you know at graduation you're like you still got your health you still got your vitality and drinking, drinking with your drinking with your kid, uh, so uh, they just you know they legalized recreational marijuana here in Massachusetts, and Joy's like, Joy's like, so so can I try some? <laughs> and I said, I think the law is kind of like with alcohol, as in you got to be twenty one and older. Yeah. And she goes, Yeah, okay. And then she says, Well, you know, sometimes we're at home and you let me sip the wine and taste your wine. <laughs> <laughs> So why don't you get some and let me try? <laughs> I know where we're doing our fiftieth episode now. That clever. There you go. <laughs> we we tried to all get together for it. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, so here's what you can put in her card um, when she's graduating and heading out on her own. This is another uh, Richard Rohr gem. He says, "When you get your who am I question right, all of your what should I do questions." tend to take care of themselves. Oh, say that again. When you get your who am I question right, all of your what should I do questions tend to take care of themselves. Mm. I love that. I like that. That's profound. But here's the thing with that, though. Here's the thing with that. Who am I is going to who am I is always evolving. It's always changing. (laughs) I knew it. Not in the moment, Ogan. In this very moment, you can say, this is who I am. I suppose. It doesn't mean that's who I'm going to be in a year. It means this is who I am right now. And I love that. All right. I think it's good. Do I know who I am right now? Well, maybe that's, maybe you don't know what you're supposed to be doing because you don't know who you are. (laughs) Not me. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm Because you know who you are. I'm just saying. Well, I suppose. All right. Speaking of growing older, not old, older and wiser, another Joseph Campbell quote. He says, on the brink of illumination, the old ways are very seductive and are liable to pull you back. Yes. Yes. On the brink of illumination. In other words, you're just about to have this insight or this breakthrough. And then the old ways 
we have a we have a term for that Watch in your unity. Back. We have yeah. a term for that in unity that not exactly the same thing, but along those lines, it's called chemicalization. It's like when you lay hold of a new concept, a new teaching, a new belief system, and it starts to um, and it starts to work in you. The old way of thinking and believing and interacting with the world, like like it pulls you out of that comfort zone and you resist mm. and it gets real uncomfortable and you struggle. And, and a lot of times you find yourself going back to the old way, even if it wasn't a good way, it was what you knew. And there was a certain sense of comfort in what you knew, but, but the new way of being, because it was unknown that you were struggling with embracing it, even though, you know, intellectually you knew it was the right way to go. And you get this like internal battle and struggle and it, it, it just feels uncomfortable. And then you're like, wait a minute, this new thing was supposed to like illumine me and enlighten me and make things better. Why am I going through this, mm -hmm. this struggle? Drug addictions like that too. Drug addictions like that too with, um, you know, people that go mm -hmm. through it and they, you know, you think that they're doing great and they, you know, and then they do this, this like, you know, backtrack, whatever, <clears throat> you know, yeah. fall off the wagon, whatever. And that that's exactly why. What is that response? Why do we do that? Well, I think, I th so I think drug addiction, when it comes to addiction, that's a different, slightly different thing because with addiction, there are like, there are new pathways created in your brain. No, 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 I get and, that. I get that. But I'm, I'm talking like after they've, you know, done the work and they've, you know, I, I get that it's a chemical thing after a while. Mm -hmm. But when you think they get like their life all together, it's the same thing. Like it, it gets oh. scary. Oh, well that's, well, part of, part of that is the using drugs was your coping mechanism. That's how you dealt with stress. That's how you dealt with discomfort. Yes. That's how you dealt with numbing the pain. So when stress, discomfort and pain comes up, you want to go back because that's what to do. So, okay, but so, isn't that, I guess my point is, Ogan, isn't it the same as everything else? Isn't that the same, like, everything across the board? Like, yeah, pretty you've much. had these patterns of coping with life and dealing with life. So when you get out of that pattern and you're like, yeah, that looks better. But how do I deal with that? How do I cope with that? Like, it's yeah, scary. It, it, it is the same thing, except that with drugs, you have the added hurdle of, your brain has changed chemically. Yeah. <laughs> so that's 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 what kind of even makes it harder. But even when even when you've supposedly turned the corner. Right. Okay. I see that. Exactly. And and part of it then also is then that when you if you go back to the addictive behavior, you know, whether it's whether it's drugs, whether it's sex, whether it's porn, whether it's whatever it is, alcohol, when you go back to it, all of a sudden it's it's like such a sense of familiarity and weird disturbing comfort that you were like and 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 you and it's so much easier to lose yourself in it again it's always easier to fall down into a hole than to climb up out of one oh it's too early for our parting wisdom but <laughs> look out <laughs> so what about new ways of thinking uh let's say new ways of thinking about god or new ways of of reading the bible or things along that line where we're not talking about a um an addiction per se um how in that setting can it be potentially easy to say 
you know, I'm not so sure about this new line of thinking. I'm going to kind of go back to what I always knew or go back to the familiar teachings or but those ways those are forms of addiction too. Addiction too. We can we can become addicted to seeing God in a certain way. We can become addicted to to in a way religiosity. That's what that is basically. An addiction to to in a certain way in your life and and there can that's when we when we start to think differently or something happens in our life that for some of us began to question what we believe it's why they call it a crisis of faith because you find yourself in crisis the rugs pull out from under you you're free falling you know i've done it twice in my life yeah, that's right it's not a fun feeling it is very scary Ooh, sorry, snowplow going by. Holy crap, that thing was big. <laughs> Thought I was gonna come through the house for a second there. No, um, I, but go ahead, Tina. Well, I, I, I definitely agree with you, Ogan. Um, I see that, and and with both what both of you guys said, I think a huge, huge thing is ostracize this is i'm on my second drink being cut off from your community <laughs> yeah yes thank you thank you say more about that um yeah so you people have expectations of you you have a role whatever community you're in no matter how dysfunctional is no matter what family you're in you have a role and when you start thinking differently and you start acting differently everybody else is like whoa and then yes. that causes you to be like, gosh, is this worth losing my community? It is a very, very lonely place to change yeah. how you think and how you act. But it's so Amen. freeing. To and, and, yes. and you also have people who self-ostracize themselves, who, who go like, you know, I am I'm, I'm feeling a certain way. And I don't want others to see me like this. I don't want others. I don't want to show up like I'm doing this wrong because if I was doing this right, I wouldn't feel a certain way. This happens in unity a lot because in unity, sometimes there's that overemphasis emphasis on, you know, love and light and, and positivity and happiness. And when right. people are feeling like hell because of what they're going through and life isn't working out how they would want it to I you see know where you're going. Yeah. they 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 get this inference that they're they're quote unquote not doing it right and they don't want others to see them that way so they pull away from they withdraw from the community when to your point tina that's that's the exact opposite they should be doing they should be engaging even more and making more connections and asking but they're for help. but they're anticipating they're anticipating how they they're might or might not be received so they're judged so yeah of being of being judged and here's the thing sometimes the judgment comes you know <laughs> right. in, in, in yeah. because in, in unity and and this is this is the thing that 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 it's, it doesn't happen a lot so much more because thankfully there's there's you know we, we're we are re-educating ourselves but but a lot of times people would be like well what were you holding in your consciousness to make this thing happen in your life you know and that's which a judgment is, right it's blaming the victim you never blame the victim yes. i don't believe in victimology <laughs> you know? but but yeah. i'm just using that as an expression but that's not the right question because that's not how it works but you know I, stuff's I, gonna happen i was I, holding nothing in my consciousness to come home to a flooded basement you, how know? Do you know i'm just kidding Ooh, stuff happens 
Um, I, no, I, I totally get that. But I, I think sometimes people need self ostracization. <laughs> I did it again because I think they Use need the to isolate words. themselves. Use the small words. Use the small <laughs> it's not coming to mind. None of them are coming to mind. I, I think people need to do that sometimes to step away, to loop back to an earlier conversation, to be like, who am I? Like sometimes you need to be alone with yourself for extended periods of time to be like, yeah. who am I? And then when you figure that out, like Brian said, everything else falls into place. You're like, mm -hmm. This is yes. who I am, and this is what I need to do. Maybe they don't need yeah. to be at a Unity Church while they're figuring this stuff out. I know you think it's maybe a place not. for everybody, but you know, maybe when they're done with it, they're like, "That maybe that's not, no, not what well, I need anymore." And then you move to the next stage of enlightenment. Some of us call it UCC. <laughs> ah, Some of us call it hiking in nature. <laughs> that's the two steps back she talked about earlier. That's the two yeah, steps exactly. Back. I know it. Uh, I knew no. you. I'm totally teasing. <laughs> Totally teasing. I, I know I know you are, but but to your point, Tina, you're right. There is there is value in the stepping away and sometimes being by yourself. As long as you do it, as long as you don't do it from a place of shame and embarrassment. Mm -hmm. If right. you're doing it from a place of intentional contemplation and intentional turning within, that's okay. I mean, Jesus Jesus started his ministry with a basically an introspective retreat. He got baptized. He runs into he's in the desert for forty days. You know, faces his his own inner demons. Some people would say Satan, but you know, if we look at it differently, it's his own inner demons. And then he starts his ministry. So there is value to to stepping away, going on a retreat, being by yourself, turning inward. But if you're doing it from a place of shame and embarrassment, that's not the right motivation. That's right. That's right. Maybe that's what you need to go through to figure yourself out. Oh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a place for for both. I think absolutely we need time to um, pull away and really do that sort of uh, inner inner work, um, introspection, figuring out what's happening within me. But there are also times where you need community, and as Tina said, when you are a certain role in certain relationships, and you begin to shift how you see the world and how you um, think about certain things, and you start taking those bullets and people say, hey, you're not measuring up, or you're going down the wrong path, or this isn't right, or you need to really think about what you're doing, that's not always either. And you need some people to come around you and say, hey, we're with you in this. And I think that's what I'm experiencing in my community uh, here in Holland, is that a lot of people are on a journey and they're, being ostracized, as Tina would say, ostracization. And, <laughs> and they're, they're looking for people to support them and to say, you're not crazy. You're not alone to think new thoughts about Jesus or about God or about how we think about the Bible. Wait, uh, so point of clarity, is that is that what is getting them to your community or is there people within your community who are feeling that way? No, a lot of people are arriving to our community who have been on a path of of turning a lot of things around and thinking differently about the world, and they don't know where to land or where is a safe space because their families and their churches are appreciative of it, and they don't like the questions and they don't like the direction. Yeah, yeah, and it's good, and it's good that they have a place like that where you are, because you know I I always say doubt doubt is the thing that often leads you 
to that place of illumination. It, it starts with doubt. It starts with the questioning and, yeah, and no living doubt. in the question of things and, and mulling it over and working it through. And, and, and it's, it's really heartbreaking when your spiritual community is not the safe place to do that in and come, yes. and come back to churches wound churches wound people so much because the people who go through the doubt they tell them it's okay to go through the doubt as long as you come back out of the doubt <laughs> the same place you Agreeing went in with us <laughs> yeah. yeah no doubt i i preached on uh, john uh, chapter three uh, this past sunday and and one of the verses was jesus saying um talking about the the wind of the spirit like you know you hear the sound of the wind but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. And I was talking a little bit how Jesus is sort of um, taking the spiritual experience out of uh, the control of institutions, uh, out of the control of religious authorities and freeing people to experience the spirit as they experience it and not to fall into this condemnation of it has to look like X, it has to look like Y, it has to look like us. Uh, and I think again and again because we have these structures uh, that many of us have gone through that have hurt us because they've tried to manipulate our experience with god mm -hmm. yep. yep very much so yep yep wow. that's a pretty so good I'm... sermon brian <laughs> <laughs> well maybe and on one yeah. less hour of sleep nonetheless um, right? <laughs> seriously and we, of course we we had officials from our officials representatives from the ucc showing up to worship and here i am operating on one hour less of sleep and i'm thinking how many people this morning are going to think i didn't get enough sleep this morning no are they, they coming to check upon you i don't think so they were well they were coming to see what was had they wanted to experience the good things we've been talking about and they did there, okay. there you go i did not feel checked up upon i felt encouraged and validated there you go did you wear your casual priest outfit? I wore it. Listen, you know it. <laughs> I was rocking the casual priest, and I think you know that was it right there. You had me at casual priest. <laughs> they were like, "That is a fine-looking minister right there in that casual priest outfit." I can only speak for the outfit. Holy cow. So, uh, man, I don't know that we have enough energy to, or time to get into this John Shelby Spawn quote as much as I love it. Is it time or energy, Brian? <laughs> I don't know. Well, how much beer is left in my glass? That's the real question. Are they one and the same? Oh, there uh, might be enough. Let's hey, do it. Throw, Just real fast. Throw the question. We'll start and we can always finish, you know, in the in the post show. Keep your answers That's, brief. Exactly. Keep your answers All right, brief. So have you met us. <laughs> this is the bonus round. <laughs> In his book, Jesus for the Non-Religious, John Shelby Spong says, whatever it was that people experienced in Jesus has today come to be identified with medieval doctrines based on pre-modern assumptions that are no longer believable. Then he says, my commitment is to the reality of Jesus as a God experience. It is not a commitment to the reality of the traditional explanations of that God experience in Jesus. And there is a vast difference okay so to break that down <laughs> uh 
he's he's responding to you know we we in the church uh when we speak of jesus that comes with a whole lot of things you know we we think of wow we think of the second person of the trinity we think of god uh incarnate in human form stop saying saying we not all of us do listen those of us in just saying don't be lumping me into this view for two thousand years have held jesus is this uh sort of divine figure but explained through a lot of different ways um and he's saying a lot of those doctrines that we have about jesus were formed you know early church councils medieval times when they had different ways of viewing the world than we do they had different ways of thinking about god they have dif- different ways of thinking about human beings he's saying those categories may not even make sense today yet we kept we keep trying to define jesus through that and we keep trying to make people believe these things even though we're not living in the middle ages anymore okay yep. can i sum it up in my like 30 second thing real quick Go. Yeah, I'm, it's 15 seconds Experience Jesus with your heart, not with your mind. Ooh, and nice. Boom, and bam. So, I'm done. Go ahead, so what okay. he is saying is he's not letting go of experiencing God in Jesus. But what he is saying is I am refusing to have to submit to these ancient explanations to define what I'm experiencing. As Tina said, allow your heart uh, to experience what it experiences and don't worry about how you're going to define that or who's going to say you have to say x y or z about that and to realize that it's not incompatible with you know things like facts science historical scholarship like all these things it it doesn't have to be one or the either We, we we so much want to be you know one or the so so you know we we know we know how weather works so we also know that perhaps like all of these miracles about making rainfall and all kind of stuff was not really what happened doesn't mean that we still can't have an experience and an understanding of the role jesus played and can play in our lives because yeah. we are yeah. in a different context doesn't mean we have to throw everything out, but it is important, I think, that we do change the the context of things. Was there a story where Jesus made it rain? No, I don't think so. <laughs> there should have been. I was referring to older stories, like, you know, Old Testament and stuff. I, wasn't talking about Jesus specifically. <laughs> I agree, there should have been. Uh, why is there not? There was. Uh, they probably weren't going through. They weren't going through a drought at the time, I guess. <laughs> there was a uh, first century um, sort of rabbinical figure within Judaism uh, called Honi the Circle Drawer, and he yes. would draw circles to make it rain. Yes. Like with his staff think, in the dirt. I think I think he 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 was just intuitively sensing when you know cold fronts were coming in and. <laughs> He had, he, had he had that, that trick knee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had that knee surgery after high school. He had that knee and the joints that would get swollen when little fronts were coming in. And he's like, you know, let's go draw some circles. Exactly. Exactly. So in terms of uh, final wisdom, I would just say, as our friend Joseph Campbell said, when you are on the brink of illumination, keep 
pressing forward. Like it. Don't let don't let those old ways pull you back. Find friends who can encourage you. Find community where you can be you. And and I will I'll I'll draw a parallel. You know, Psalm twenty third reminds us that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with us. We are walking through. We're not pitching our tent and staying in the valley. There's gonna be dark times when when the light first comes because we're gonna want to do what's comfortable get that bright light shining on us or that internal illumination it's so bright it hurts but and to quote dory just keep swimming <laughs> yes yes just keep swimming i love it i love it well thanks for tuning in friends to pub theology live please connect and spread the word on social media you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can listen to this show. This is really the best part of the night. You can listen to the show anytime. It feels like the show is ending. But you know what? You can just go back to a prior episode or you can just listen to this episode again right now if you're listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. Hey, and let's not forget, you can watch the YouTube recording for some extra goodness because we have some pre-show and... We sometimes have some post-show discussions that get a little... And we sometimes have some facial expressions. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. Sometimes yeah. it's worth checking out the YouTube. You know, our YouTube viewership is up, actually. It's up. It is up. The wind it's being up. up. Exactly. And if you'd like to find a conversation like this happening in your town, check out the directory, the National Official Pub Theology Directory at pubtheology.com. We just added a new group uh, out in North Carolina, I think it was Morgantown, North Carolina, new group up in Traverse City, Michigan. So groups are popping up all over the country. And if there's not a group near you, you can find some resources to start your own. And thanks again to our sponsors, Craft Beer Cellar, who you'll find at craftbeercellar.com and Wink Wine Club, that's W-I-N-C, at trywink.com slash Live. And so until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Blame it on the rain <laughs> all the night. Brian, what? Brian, do you know what make it rain means? <laughs> you're, you're so innocent and sweet. I am so innocent. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. Look it up in the Arabic dictionary. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I, I, I almost <laughs> lost it myself. <laughs> why, no, why do you have to say that? That's why oh. I was at a loss for words. I, I, said, I said, isn't there a isn't there a miracle where Jesus makes it? <laughs> oh, oh, that's a completely different Bible. I, <laughs> all right. Hey, I just wonder how much of that beer is left. Oh no, I, it's all gone. You emptied it. You it's gone. Halfway through the show. What are you talking you about? You see the notes on the side? I gotta say, this 10 percenter. It, it did a, it did a little number. 
I think this is the that first time we were all three buzzed at the end of the show because I switched uh, to beer and that has a I, completely different effect on me. I think we were, I think I'm going to listen back to this show and say, what the hell happened? <laughs> no, I, I do that every I week, Brian. That's why I listen to it. <laughs> I really should listen to it too. I don't. Yeah, you should <laughs> listen to it. Exactly. Hey, you could be one well, of our here. listeners. <laughs> Welcome. We have this show. It's called Pub Theology Live. It, you know, you I listen to the opening. I love, what, I love what you do with the openings. I like listen to the yeah. opening, and as soon as the theme song hits, I'm like, all right, I've heard enough. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is Brian was, saying, was, welcome to like, episode blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Say <laughs> these things out loud. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we can all watch This Is Us at another time. I don't, you know, I give up. I got an hour and a half to go. No, I, <clears throat> I didn't. No, I have someone in the next room who's giving me the old shepherd's crook, you know. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. There you go. All right, Ogan, congrats on the new place. You guys have yeah. a great week. I'll see you next week. Sounds great, friends. Sounds good. All, All right. right. Bye bye, everybody. Good night.